Sometimes our wrong or I'll say twisted beliefs um, sabotage what's going on in our lives because we pick up on little things. You know, there's, there's the issue um, when I was growing up, everybody wanted to be a macho man. There were songs about being a macho man. But nobody was explaining to anybody about what a macho man was. Oh, no, I'm not singing it. <laughs> so you had all these different views on what macho men were. And guys would do stuff and claim to be a macho man. You know, but what you seen was the world's vision of a macho man. So some, to some people, that just meant doing the weights and getting buffed and walking around with your chest stuck out. To some people, that meant beating your wife or your girlfriends. It was their vision of what a macho man were, was. And they were teaching other people around them. They were going to what was becoming to folks that were empty inside and looking for family and showing them that this is what macho men do. Well, we have to deal with those twisted belief systems. One of the things that happens uh, in terms of, I, I call it a, a worldview or, or, or false self-view, is that every day when we wake up, we, we're still dealing with issues because they creep in. Now, with the, the teaching that you receive here at Living Hope, everybody should be really rooted and grounded. But for a fact that I know that things still creep in on us because we, we, we're alive. And the one thing that happens with salvation is, unfortunately, there's nowhere in the scripture that guarantees that once you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that the devil will never speak to you again. One, I, I believe he red flags you. And he speaks to you and he whispers to you on a regular basis. And the one thing that happens is you can't stop that. There's, there's nothing to stop him from speaking to you. He can say anything he wants to to you. But it's up to you to make a decision about whether or not you're going to take it. There, a plant, you can plant a seed in the ground. But unless you water it and take care of it, it will not grow. So if the enemy of your soul tries to plant things in your mind, if you don't grab hold to them, they won't grow. So it has to deal with how we deal with those kind of things. You wake up in the morning and you think, I've got to figure this thing out, especially young men. I know that's one of the first things. What comes next? What am I getting ready to do? Well, at 55 years old, you, I still wake up wondering what comes next and what am I going to do? Uh, you have to, I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out. What, and I don't care, it's like fill in the blank. Is it your career? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? You have to figure it out. And we spend a lot of time and energy working on those things, how we're going to figure them out. We have to deal with the issues about us feeling that nobody understands us because of the way our mind is working and what we're thinking about. Nobody else understands what we're going through and what we have to deal with. So we feel alone. And those are all for, false things in terms of when you have the scripture and the word of God to go with them. So you have to think about the person that you are. And I, I just, I made some notes about 
basically talking about these things because these are things that we think about on a regular basis. But these are things that we have to apply according to the word of God. Now, the quickest way for you to work on those things or when you're thinking about those things, the next thought should be, well, what does God say about this? And if you don't know, that's where a Bible comes in real handy. And if you don't have a Bible handy or you don't know where to look in the Bible, that's where a brother in Christ comes in handy. Because there's someone you can go to and you can say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like this. I'm, I'm thinking, I, you know, I, I, I've known friends that arrived one day, an old roommate, and he woke up one morning and he says, you know, it's, it's time for me to get married. I said, oh, okay. He, didn't, he wasn't even dating. <laughs> but he decided it was time for him to get married. And in a month, he was married. And I was like, whoa, you know, uh, because he found somebody else who decided that it was time for them to get married. And they got married. And he had to deal with the consequences of him getting married off the fly like that. Uh, Because it was a good thought and it came across his mind and he was in agreement with it. Everything that you think is not right. And that's why you have to apply it to something else. One, you have to know yourself. Uh, Preacher said, half a man and half a woman don't make a whole. It takes a whole man and a whole woman to come together and be one. And we have to think like that. So when you're thinking about if, if you know that you're not ready to get into a relationship, or if you know that you're not ready to be married, the truth is you have to think about, if you're not thinking about marriage, what are you thinking about relationships for? And I, my, my son is here, and he and I had these conversations a long time ago. When he was in high school, he said to me, Dad, uh, I want a girlfriend. Because I, I wouldn't allow him to date. I didn't allow his sister to date, and I wouldn't allow him to date. Uh, when he was, like, in the fourth, fifth grade, his teacher, I went to a teacher, and she said to me, she pulled me to the side, she said, oh, that little girl right there, that's Anthony's girlfriend, and oh, they're so cute. And, and I pulled her to the side a little further, and I said, look, I don't allow his sister to do that. They can't run around talking about they got a boyfriend and this and that, so he can't do it either. I have to, I have to do that. So, but when he was in high school, and he had, he had been a good kid, and, but he decided all his buddies had girlfriends. And he was like, I don't want to do nothing wrong. I just want a girlfriend. I want somebody to take out. I want somebody to be nice to. And I said, I understand what you're talking about. I said, but then you also have to think about what does she want to do? Okay, so if all of her friends are having sex with their boyfriends, how are you going to tell her no? You know, that this is not where you're at. So you have to think about the consequences about what you want to do. So here's the same thing about when you're going into, it seems good to have a relationship. But what are the consequences of the relationship? So if you're not thinking about marrying them, then go hang out with the fellas. (laughs) You know? Uh, That's my, my rough assumption, simply because it takes you someplace you don't plan to go. (laughs) and it's real easy to do but one of the things you'd have to do is you have to know yourself and everybody needs to know themselves first and this is why I tell young guys take your time know who you are know what you want to do 
get your dreams in check. Because very often you find yourself over here doing this and you're married, you got three kids, and then you're talking about, I always dreamed about being a skateboarder. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. I've, and again, it, one of the church is not immune to it. I have seen guys in church get married and start a family and then tell their wife, I always wanted to be an evangelist and the Lord is calling me to go travel. And I have seen men leave their wives and children to pursue the ministry because God is calling them. You know, because the perspective gets twisted. So you have to worry about taking care of yourself and growing yourself. And one of the things that you want to do when you do that is you want to know how to grow yourself. Uh, I read a real interesting book a long time ago, and it always stuck with me. It was called The Acorn Principle. It's a lot of psychology and stuff that goes into it. But the end result of it was somebody writes a book about growing yourself into a great redwood. And you study it, and you say, this is what I want to be. I want to be a great redwood. And they tell you how to be a great redwood. But you are acorn. And somewhere along that path, because all trees need water, they need air, they need sunlight, they need to be planted. Well, you can get right along with the program up there. But somewhere along the program, you're going to fail. And the enemy of your soul very often wants you to do this because when you take on those kinds of tasks, when you decide to be something that you're not, and you decide that all I have to do is work hard at it and things seem to be working, when you fail, you feel like God has failed you. So you have to be careful about that. That's one of the things about being in community. Again, acorns grow into giant oak trees. And oak trees on their own are fabulous trees. They do, do wonderful things. But they're not giant redwoods. So you can't be a giant redwood if you're an acorn. So we have to deal with that. So you have to find out who you are first. And the wonderful thing about being young, and I tell you guys I, I, I'll just over and over again, you can try a lot of stuff. There's no reason when you are not married and you're single and you're doing what you need to be doing to read different books, go different places, see what's going on. Now, I've had my own challenges on this because I, I tease my son about I, um, I shared with him just the other day that fact that I've always encouraged him to be adventurous and to go out and see the world not to be afraid of the world. Because when I grew up in church and around church, lots of people were afraid of the world. They said, stay in church. Don't go out there. Don't go out in the world. It will eat you alive. And the truth is, the world will eat you alive. <laughs> but the thing that I tried to tell him, that when you have God and you go out into the world, there's nothing for you to be afraid of in the world. And the example that I gave him, I said, all of the things that I would be afraid of you doing in the world, I could be afraid of you doing them in church because I know people in church that are doing the same things. All the sins that the world tells you to run from, I know churches where they exist. So that hiding in church was not the way to do it. But understanding who you are and whose you are, understanding that the God that you serve created the heavens and the earth so that every place as a child of God, 
that you place your foot, it's, 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 you're representing God. So there's literally no place that you can go. But you also have to be wise. You have to know that you just, you know, like I tell him, uh, I, I got lots of flack from, from friends of mine. He was on somebody's show in, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of the name. I won't ask him the name. But, but somebody's reality show uh, in L.A., and they were having a party, and everybody started calling. Oh, we see Anthony's on TV. He's on this show, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, great, great, great. Then by the time the phones died down, then all of a sudden they lit up again because he was seen on the television walking around with a beer in his hand. And everybody was calling, oh, he's drinking beer on TV. Oh, 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 I know you feel so bad. Oh, you know. And I told him, I said, look, he's had my permission. Now, and don't nobody take my path for this. I said, he's had my permission to drink since he was 16. Because when he went to live in Spain, I told him people drink in Spain. And it's all about how you do it. So don't be afraid and run from liquor. I said, you don't want to get drunk. But this is what the customs do, and this is what the people do, so don't run from it. And so, um, and he handled himself really well, I have to say. He went, he made me proud. He came back. But these are the things that, that have to happen when we're talking about what we're afraid of and how we, how we adjust ourselves to deal with things. You're going to run across a lot of things. It's, it's like, you know, we had a brother here tonight. And I, I shared with him before he came in here. I said, brother, this is a small room. I need you to sit by the door because you haven't had a bath in three weeks. And we love you. We want you to be here. And we'll, we'll hang in there with you if you want to be here. But, you know, let's deal with the reality of it. So those are the kinds of things that we have to do in terms of taking on perspectives and dealing with them. One of the things that the biggest thing that, that God shared with me this week to share with you all was that thing about twisted truths or twisted reality. And I went through the scriptures and I looked up, the Lord said to me about free will. And we all know that God, in creating us, gave us a free will. And he doesn't challenge our free will because he gave it to us. But I see where the world has taken free will. And it's, it's not really new because they've been doing it a long time. All the way in Genesis, I see where people were exercising their free will. But they call it today, we call it willpower. And the first example of willpower that I found in the scripture was in Genesis 11th chapter, the Tower of Babel. And when you look at that scripture and you read it, these people were travelers. And then they got to a place in their life where they had obviously learned something while they were traveling. And what it says is that they learned how to make bricks. And they decided that we're going to build some houses and we're going to build a city. And then while we're building that, we're going to build a bridge to heaven. And the reaction that God had about that was, he said, I better go down there and check on them unless they do it. They were exercising in their willpower. Again, which is a powerful tool that God has given us. But if we twist it, it goes bad. They were exercising a gift from God. The fact that he gave them the ingenuity and the willpower to build a bridge to heaven. 
But God had to deal with them because they weren't building a bridge to heaven. Now, they had to know they knew the heavens were there. So what, I don't know if they just wanted to go look. It does, the scripture doesn't really tell us why they wanted to build a bridge to heaven. But they, wanted, they, they exercised their willpower. And willpower can be something that can send us off on the wrong track. Because very often what willpower does is it says, I can do it on my own. I can do it by myself. All I have to do is put my mind to it. And literally, there's truth in it. But when you get it wrong, it takes you off on a different path. I know people that, you know, one of my big issues is weight. And uh, it just was pointed out to me a few weeks ago. A friend of mine stopped me. Now, when I was like ninth grade, everybody weighed, all my buddies were over 200 pounds. Uh, we were big guys. We called ourselves the weight men. They even created a, a relay race for us to run on the track team. So uh, we had a, a lot of fun being the big guys. But 40 years later, all these guys that I used to run with are 350, 400 pounds, whatever. Even got. And so we were talking, and they were like, man, how come we gained all this weight? And you never gained all that weight. And I said, well, one of the reasons was because that only thing that came to mind for me right then, I've never been on a diet. I didn't have the willpower to go on a diet. So I didn't play with it. I was not going to be fighting myself. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. It looks good. It tastes good. I'm going to eat it. So when they went on these special diets and they did all this crazy stuff, I never, I would never join them. So, and I said, that's the only difference between us is that I always ate what I wanted to and this and that. And they've been gym rats and they would run and they would do all kinds of things. And, and again, in their life, they have, a couple of the guys have lost enormous amounts of weight and gained enormous amounts back. But the only thing I could think of was that I would never buy into that thing because I never thought I had a lot of willpower. Because to me, willpower goes along with being competitive. You know, uh, if we're going to run a race, I'll run a race to see, you know, who wins or whatever. This is that. But I, I'm not, it doesn't motivate me. I'm not motivated to beat you. I'm not motivated to compete with you. There's just no motivation in it for me. Now, some people, all you have to do, all I have to do is tell them, hey, man, I can tie my shoes faster than you. And they'll, they'll break down and... It's on. There's some guys like that, and I appreciate them, and I love them for that. But uh, all, you have to do, <laughs> all you have to do is challenge them anything. They're going to do it. But the thing that we have to be careful about is dealing with our free will and not misplacing it and turning it into willpower. Because willpower is not all that it's cracked up to be. Some people accomplish great things. And one of the guys that, that I talked to about with willpower, in terms of he felt like he lost a lot of weight and he was working out and getting himself in shape. But what he discovered was he had to go to the gym seven days a week or he didn't feel right. There was something wrong with him. If he didn't get his workout in, and again, it, this is amazes me. I, I saw a guy during the storm back east. And he was out jogging, his morning jog. I'm like, this is a fool. <laughs> you know. uh, but he had to do it. 
Uh, you know, and I laugh because now at this age, I had one of my uncles. We were on the beach down in Monterey, and a bunch of the guys were walking, and this is like 30, 40 years ago. Uh, we were having fun playing on the beach, and, and so we said, Uncle James, come on, let's, you know, let's jog the beach. And he said, son, let me tell you something. He said, if you ever see me running, he said, you better run for your life. <laughs> he said, because if something can make me run, it's serious. <laughs> so, and I always use that as a point. I said, okay, if I ever see Uncle James running, I'm getting out of here. So, but we have to deal with how we project things and how we place things because they affect our lives. They affect where you're going. When you get obsessed with things without God, you're just obsessed. And the mistake is that sometimes we do it in church because we're not sure about who we are. So we start looking, and I, 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 Pastor Benjamin threw this on me, and I, I quoted it the best I could. Who do you think people think you think you are? You know, and too often we live our lives like that. We're more worried about what people think about us than we are what God thinks about us. We put what people think about us first instead of putting what God thinks about us first. Because unfortunately, it's too easy. All you have to do is open the scriptures and read what God thinks about you and how he esteems you and how the good things that he wants for you. But no, we want to think about what do people think about me. And then we get real pushed out of shape when something comes up and we think people don't think good things about us. So we go off and we start trying to do things that will help uh, us feel better about ourselves because people, and a lot of times you, you really move into a place of total deception where you're doing things that you don't want to do uh, because you're afraid that people will, will say something about you. So those are the things as young men, the quicker you find out about being happy about yourself, and again, it was one of the things that really blessed me. When I went away to college and, and the experience that I had, uh, first night, I'm on my own. I have my own apartment, and things are going well. I'm a man. So weekend came. They were partying. I stayed out all night long. I wake up. Now, and then, well, the, and the thing I'll tell you about me and partying, I didn't partake of anything. I, was, I didn't want to be out of control ever in my life. So I grew up in Berkeley, never partook of anything. So I was strange in the crowds that I was in. But I stayed out all night long. I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping on somebody's floor in a corner. And I thought, wow, why did I do that? And I thought about it all the way home. And while I was showering, getting ready to start the next day, I thought, that didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I'll never do that again, you know, because you could, you know. And so, uh, and, I was, and I was living life with a bunch of people who were doing things because they could, you know. And a lot of them were getting in trouble. A lot of things were happening that they couldn't handle. And you guys are old enough to have seen that. But I decided then that, you know, when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't all I had wished I was but I was pretty happy with myself. I was pretty content with myself. And, and I thought about my parents, and I said, okay, I know all the things that my parents have told me to do. And a lot of those things, I had fortunately lived long enough to discover that they worked. But a lot of them had to go. 
They just were not things that I was going to take on. And so I did that without any problem. And, and, and from that point on, I was going around. I was happy with myself. Uh, I hung out with the basketball players. I never played basketball. Why I hung out with the And I didn't figure out until years later. I hung out with the basketball players because after they got through playing basketball, they went out to eat. <laughs> so they was my eating buddies. <laughs> so. But I hung around the gym. I stayed with them at the gym. And now, and when I hit 300 pounds in my sophomore year, I said, I got to do something. So I went and joined the uh, wrestling team. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had wrestled in high school, so I wrestled in college and, you know, played football in college. But uh, th- those were the things that, that I had to do. But it was all about, for me, it's always been adjusting your thinking, adjusting your thinking. It's like fine-tuning. This is one of the things I love about Living Hope. Uh, you guys you guys are digital age, but when I was a kid, we had radios, and they had the bar that goes across, and you had to find the stations. And sometimes, and again, you almost had to do that with the TVs too. There were channels that you could get on the TVs that were, there would be a lot of interference. And sometimes you couldn't hear all the words and you couldn't see the picture all the time, but we still watched it. And it was in black and white. <laughs> well, the same thing with the radio. You have to, you, you can get that signal in really clear. Well, God works with us the same way. He's always speaking. He's always talking. But you have to tune in. And you can tune halfway in if you want to. You can catch it now and then. And some people are tuned in on Sunday mornings. They, they're tuned in on Sunday mornings. But Monday they're listening to something else. You know, so that's where you have to be careful. You want to be tuned in and you want to stay tuned in. Because then you can make those little adjustments in your life. Then you can say, when I'm thinking about this, well, what does God say about it? You know, about these issues that that everybody's faced with. Who do you think you are? What do you think you should be doing? Um, And again, how you exercise your free will. Because willpower, you you can put your mind to it. And again, in the church, a lot of people think that. Think about it, and it'll happen, you know. Put all your energy into thinking these positive thoughts. Well, a lot of things are good thoughts, but they're not what God is saying. And I've dealt with people over and over and over who had wonderful ideas. And they lay the whole thing out. But have you asked God? Nope. And the scriptures tell us to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our path. So if you get up in the morning and you're not acknowledging God as head of your life, then be careful where you set off to. Because then you want to be rescued. Then you want to know, how did I get here? You don't have to. But it's a choice that you make. When you think that you can, and well, the other fantastic thing that I've learned about all this thing, to deal with willpower and knowing that if you set your will to something that you can accomplish anything, th- in the world, that's a lot going on. I mean, I can't, I can't think of anything that it doesn't happen. In business, there are men that will stand up before you and testify to you about how they applied their willpower and they overcame obstacles. They're lifted up to us as heroes. There are folks that tell you, I was homeless last week and, you know, I did all this. And, and, and they are millionaires today. But the thing is, you never hear about how, what God did in their lives. 
And if you do, they just acknowledge him. And, I, I, you know, again, with the award shows that come on, my son loves the award shows. Everybody gets up, and I, you know, to me, some of the, they sing some of the most damnable things. But when somebody gives them an award, first thing they want to do is, I thank God for it, you know. And thank God for the success. They compromise their lives in so many ways. And then they want to jump up and say, how I, they thank God. And they think that fixes it. That doesn't fix it. Acknowledging God and knowing who God is, knowing who he is, and knowing that he's there and knowing that he's real, but not following him is a sin. It takes you nowhere. There's, there's no justification that you can, you will not stand before him and say, God, well, again, if you open your Bible, it'll say, I did these things in your name. I did this and I did that. And I did it all to your glory, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me because I don't know you. And why doesn't he know you? Because you did that, thinking that you did it right. You were doing what was right, not what God was thinking. Because you all have gifts. You all have talents. Everybody in here is not an acorn, and everybody in here is, is, is not a, uh, uh, a giant redwood. But we're all planted here for a reason, and we have to find out where God wants us to be. One of the things, the other things that in observation and thinking about trees, I love trees and I love plants. When you see, uh, you go down to L.A., you see lots of palm trees. And palm trees are great trees. But one of the reasons that palm trees are great trees is because the fact that they can endure in a storm. Now, in L.A., you don't get that many storms. But when you go to the tropics and you see these palm trees laying over, on their side, those are palm trees that have been weathered and have been beaten by the storms, and they've stood. Well, so that makes the nice palm trees in, in L.A. totally different because everybody wants to see. If you see a palm tree bent over in L.A., they're going to pull it out and throw it away. People admire them in places where that palm tree has survived so many storms over the years. Uh, you know, they're known, they're, they're landmarks almost. Well, we can be the same way, but... We're not made for vivariums. We're not made to be put in plant houses and to be admired for what we grow into. We're made to be used. And as a tree, when you grow into the fullness of a tree, then there's lots of things that happen. You become shelter for others. You, you become food. Uh, you, you know, there's a purpose for your existence. But you have to find out what that existence is. And you have to seek God to find it out. So my encouragement for you tonight is... Seek God and find out where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do and who he wants you to be. Find out how, what you need to be. If you're an oak tree, oak trees take certain kind of vitamins that redwoods don't need. Sometimes oak trees need more light than redwoods. You know, those kinds of things. There are things that you need that you need to nurture, and you have to go after it. And I say be adventurous, go after it, because if you get a mile down the road, and you're staying tuned in to God because you wake up tomorrow and you think this is the way I ought to go. I say go. Because if you get down the road and you're listening to God, he'll say, okay, you've been down here a while. Now turn around and go back. And if you're smart, you'll do that. But if you're caught up in your willpower and you're going to make this happen because this is something that you believed yesterday that was going to happen, then you're in for big trouble. You're in to deal with the consequences of your decisions, which are not always good. Because matching wits with God is not a good idea. <laughs> Trying to make it happen against the will of God is not a good idea.
but God will respect you and he will not, you know, we talk about people in destruction. God is not running around destroying people. They're destroying themselves because of the choices that they made. And the secret to all of it is surrender. The secret to all of it is surrender. When you're faced with, with your will and what to do with it, trust God with it. The, when you throw your hands up and you surrender, when you talk about, I don't, well, again, Pastor gave a perfect example of it today. He's a doer. He, he, he's a planner. He's, he, he sees things. He wants to know how we can do this and how we can accomplish this. But sometimes he gets overwhelmed with that. And when he gets overwhelmed with that, he just turns to God. And the presence of God moves in. And it makes everything all right. You don't think about how I have to do this and how I have to make that happen. Because you can't make it happen. If you're broke and you don't have a job, you ain't got no money. And it, it's not hard to figure. You don't have to spend a lot of time figuring out, you know, how, how I'm going to get some money. But the other thing about it is when you're tuned into God, and I, I use this example over and over again, and you're listening because too often we give up uh, because we think nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is thinking like that. Uh, a guy who created Pet Rocks got the idea, and he followed it, became a millionaire. Now, nobody wants a Pet Rock today. <laughs> nobody wants a Pet Rock today. You couldn't give him away. But he became a millionaire. So what about the God that we serve? What about those ideas that you get sometimes in the night and you just dismiss them? Because nobody else is doing that. That sounds crazy. And they're, they're I'm, I'm making a list of things that, that are unbelievable that people are doing. And I keep thinking every time I see that, why are not the people of God? We're in an economic situation where there are no jobs out there. You can put in applications for the next month and, and you won't get jobs. But why are not we not creating jobs? Because our God created the heavens and the earth. Our God creates an atmosphere. If we, he doesn't create the atmosphere, he responds to the atmosphere that we create. So we can start creating and letting that flow. And, and again, the other thing I'll tell you is if you read anybody's biography, everybody that you can read about that has succeeded has failed. And they always build on their failure. So not to be afraid to fail. Try it. You thinking about a widget, make it. Everybody tell you, oh, don't nobody want those things. All right, then. Okay, God, I did it. Try something else. What else you got for me? And those are the kind of things that you have to do because you guys are the future. I'm looking, you know, there's some of you guys that are married, some of you guys that are not. And boy, what this church is going to be like when you guys start bringing wives and children and, and, and things start going forward because they all go forward in that natural kind of way. What's going to happen when you guys start moving all over the world? And I can send my grandson to see you, you know, someplace. Let him spend his summer with you someplace. You know, what kind of world will we have? And what kind of thing will we, what will we be living in? We'll be living in the fullness of God and what God has planned for us. So I hope you are encouraged, you know, um, think on those things. And in the future, what I'm hoping is that we'll be able to sit down and just simply have discussions. I, uh, I fellowship with some uh, synagogues, and one of the things I love about them a few of the synagogues get together on a quarterly basis and they'll just come up with a topic. And you don't have to be a theologian to talk about it. 
people sit down and they say, oh, I don't think God should have did that. God was wrong when he did that, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, somebody tells us, well, God has a purpose with <laughs> things. But uh, you can sit down and you can talk about stuff. And that's the way we learn and that's the way we work with one another. So I thank God for you tonight. And uh, that's it. Father God, I thank you and praise you for this evening. We ask your blessing on everyone that's here. We ask you to continue to guide us and direct us, Father, in the ways that we should go so that we can walk in the fullness of your light, Father. We don't want to be just in your shadows, Father, for we know that there's healing in your shadow. We know that there's blessing in your shadow, Father, but we want to be in the fullness of your light, Lord. We want to be the men that you've called us to be and do the things that you've called us to do on this earth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.